You're listening to an encore presentation from the Transformation Talk Radio Network. Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. We are excited about this 11 o'clock hour on Friday. Um, and yet at the same time, we certainly miss Christine Upchurch. I think all of us do. Um, but for those of you out there, uh, it is so exciting to honor all of you and the journey that you've said yes to. And that is such an important thing for me to remember to do. It never gets old on me. You know, um, 20 years next year, and it's still not old on me that you're the best audience on the planet. There's by far the best. Um, and special so. message, right? Let's give a special message, if we could, to Susie Hutchins, right? Who sent us the card. You ready for this, Benny and William? Here we go. Susie, in your honor, I bought new rubber for my table tennis bat. In your honor. Thank you for encouraging me to keep playing. See, I think my guest is like, am I on the right show? Who are these people? <laughs> well, let me, <laughs> I think she's got it going on. You cannot write a book like the book she wrote and you cannot do the work like the work she does. You just can't and not have a big fat smile on your face. I'm talking about Dr. Megan Rose joining me here today. We are really going to get into it because this is one of these books, Benny, you know, I read all the books, right? Benny William, you guys know, I oh, do yeah, that, yeah. right? Yeah. But every once in a while you get a book that you just need to keep close to you, right? It's one of these books that you pick up and you read it. And you're like, what? Spirit marriage, intimate relationships with otherworldly beings. Now I'm reading this book and I got taken back in time. And Benny, I don't remember the year. I don't think you do either. But I got taken back in time to the first workshop Dr. Jean Houston did in her new leadership platform. So we were the guinea pig people. And a woman that I love, even in spirit, Dr. Angela Sarian, the time she was on the earth became my mentor. But this was my first initiation. I had been initiated in, in vision questing, but this was my first initiation into what Dr. Megan Rose is writing about here, <laughs> right? And the forward is written by Orion. But what I want to say about this is the minute we realize and are willing to put down, I don't want to offend anybody, but I'm just going to talk to myself. The minute that I was willing to put down my arrogance and my ego to think that the only thing that there was 
for me in accelerating and ascending was my earth skin. The minute that I could take that thought and say, you may not be your earth skin, Pat, but what about spirit marriage? It's such a, I mean, the idea is mind blowing and yet go back thousands and thousands of years and the stories we tell and visions and, and, and amazing things that we have seen and written about. I mean, seriously, every mummy movie that was ever generated had to do with this, right? So it's in our pop culture, but Dr. Megan Rose is going to talk to us about it's now everywhere. So what I love about this is she actually studied where I really wish I would have studied. She studied at Eat West Psychology. She's got a doctorate in that, California Institute of in Integral Studies. And I'm not even going to get into all of that. But the minute that I read the book, I thought, oh, oh, she has been initiated. She helps initiations. She is all about uh, being that fantastic Shakta Tantric practitioner. She is a senior seer. She is, she is, she is. When I looked at all of that and I picked up the book, I thought, am I going to be speaking with earth skin, Dr. Megan Rose, or spiritual entity, Dr. Megan Rose? Dr. Rose, great to have you. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful to be here. Guess what? You get both. <laughs> I yeah. I, I hope they told you that we do have a little fun here. I hope Gail uh, and, and 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 folks have just said to you that w we talk about the serious nature of things, but we also really look at the multi-dimensional nature of spirit. Yeah. And if you grew up in certain religious practices, maybe you grew up with the idea that spirit was dark and punishing. Maybe, maybe there, there's, that's your experience. Or maybe you grew up with the idea that there is an exploration and a practice and something that's highly relevant when we think about these connections we have. So why have we for so long avoided the conversation about spirit marriage? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, there's a lot of layers there, I think. Yes. Um, you know, you, you can look at that from an evolutionary perspective and the idea of um, humans. And I think my research really points to by these spirit beings um, from, from the beginning of our species, right? Um, but we're really at a tipping point right now on our planet. Um, we face certain... Um, you know, depending on who you talk to, we, we look, we're facing a certain uh, extinction of our species, um, unless we sort of get it together and evolve our consciousness to the point of um, understanding that humans, right, um, are not the one right and only species on this planet to determine the fate of the planet. And, um, and really understand that we need to step out of our anthropocentric worldview, <clears throat> which says humans are the, the peak of the pinnacle of, of creation, um, and step into more of <clears throat> what I like to call a sort of eco-psychological or Gaia consciousness um, perspective, which is we are but one of many players on the planet right now, um, uh, with myriad levels of intelligence and consciousness. Um, this is a, 
and my research is really rooted in an animist view of, of the planet. The planet is alive around us and we are in dialogue and relationship with it from the tiniest little mycelium, right, to the largest oceanic bodies full of consciousnesses nested within consciousnesses nested within consciousnesses. And yeah. so, you know, spirit marriage is uh, on a continuum of different types of relationship, right, that we can have with the other than human that we share our gorgeous planet with. And, and I truly believe that um, although these relationships have guided humanity from, you know, the, the very, I mean, our many, many, many creation and origin myths transculturally talk about spirit marriages as one of the things that um, gave rise to, um, to homo sapien, right? To the consciousness of humanity. Yeah. Um, and I think that we're at another tipping point where these relationships are coming forward. They've never fully gone away. Um, my research absolutely indicates that, you know, and particularly in um, marginalized or subaltern practice, it's been alive and well, um, coming out of, you know, the African diaspora traditions and, and the, a lot of earth-based indigenous spiritualities. Um, and that's sort of another reason why they've been suppressed, because that we, you know, mainstream religion by and large suppressed a lot of those traditions and persecuted them. Um, but that it's coming forward now and we're having this conversation now. And I wrote this book because now is the time where we need to take another leap, yeah. leap forward, right? As Barbara yeah. Marcus Hubbard talks about when oh. about, uh, Yeah. Yeah. One of the things sapien, like consciousness and instead of the we consciousness, the us. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I want to do, Benny, is let's hop over to break, because one of the things I want to just say before we go to break and support Dr. Dr. Rose is, first of all, as homo sapiens, we got in this game late. I just want to be very, very clear. We act as if we've been here all the time. Like we act as if the earth popped up and then like we came next. Oh, no. Oh, no. That is not what the science will tell us. Right. Many, 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 many iterations of things happen. And I will say this before we go to break, that this is prevalent in our pop culture and we just don't know it. Now, how do I know that? Okay, because I, I, I just get plugged in. But two things I want to leave you with for break. One, nobody can tell me that Greta Thunberg did not pop out of that womb being a young child growing into a young adult of consciousness and is so attached to the energies and the spiritual nature of the planet, even death threats to her and her family would not stop her. The second thing I want to say is when I asked Sister Michael Anthony, and Bishop, I'm just going to call him Bishop Jones in Catholic boarding school. If they were married, what do you think they said to me, this wild child in Catholic boarding? What did they say to me? And then what did I say back to them? Let's take a short break. Dr. Megan Rose is here. We got so much to cover in this book. You know, her studies and her research, just fascinating. That's how you know 
when you've been called to do something and then you step into the full blossom of what that is. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. How do you feel? Just okay? Well, how about you tune in and get ready to be more with The Healing Hour with me, Doc Martin, every third Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. I'm ready for your questions, and I can't wait to help you find the answers. Every month, we'll have a new live call-in show with innovative topics and a powerful hour of healing. To learn more about me, visit DrSharonMartin.com. See you there. I'm going to be here. You won't want to miss it. Healing has a ripple effect. One person's healing affects everyone around them. This is where the power of sharing our stories can be so important. Tune in to Playing on the Edge Radio with Megan Edge each month on Transformation Talk Radio as Megan provides you with ways of sustaining radical and powerful changes in your life. Enact the power of radical change. To find out more about Megan Edge, visit her website at meganedge.ca. Do you get stuck in that someday attitude, living the same day over and over again with no action? The Becoming You Show, big ideas that inspire, impact, and influence your life with Leah Rowling is for you. Tune in every Friday at 11 a.m. Central on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This show will have you feeling inspired to take action with purpose and intention. For more information and to get in touch with me, visit www.LeahRowling.com. Your own innate brilliance already lives inside of you. Come discover it so you can shine brightly in this world. Join me, your host, Adrian Cobb, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern during Wild Magic on TransformationTalkRadio.com and get answers to who you are and where you belong. To learn more about me and the show, visit MyWildMagic.com. Again, that's MyWildMagic.com. There is divinity within you. Join Lisa Belt on her show, The Unshakable Living Show, supernaturally and divinely unshakable, twice a month, and find that divinity that you deserve. Lisa will help you feel encouraged, empowered, and realize that you're not alone on your journey. With Lisa, address the foundation, the frame, and the finish of your dreams and become truly unshakable. Do you feel like you and your significant other have lost their initial spark? Then let Coach Martez and Wadrina guide you to strengthen your love and reignite that spark on the Coach Martez and Wadrina Layton Show on Transformation Talk Radio. Understanding love, accepting truth, and changing perspective. For more information, make sure you go to dreambuilderscoaching.net. That is dreambuilderscoaching.net. You're listening to an encore presentation from the Transformation Talk Radio Network. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. Um, you know, Dr. Megan, before we jump ahead, tell people how they get a copy of this book and how they find out more about you, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Spirit Marriage is available at all major booksellers um, online and um, hopefully getting into stores. Um, although... Uh, I guess it would be at some of the smaller stores because some of the larger booksellers don't have physical locations anymore. Yeah, that's true. Um, and then also you can find out more about me at drmeganrose.com. And you can also uh, go to spiritmarriage.com and there's a website just for the book. Um, 
I love, there's a couple of things in the forward I want to start with, and then I want to answer that question of what I said, what the, the way Sister Michael Anthony answered it. Um, you know, there's a statement in, in, in the forward of the book that is by Orion. It's finally the time is now. The bottom line is that humans are moving rapidly into an age of expanded and fluid states of consciousness. And we must perceive the invisible relationships between visible visible things if we are to grow with our own destiny we are human becoming we are not finished growing in our understanding of healing the intimate workings of our planet the causes and cures from maladies likely induced by human technology and actions that impact nature in ways we cannot see see this is like a statement of warning and yet a statement of hopefulness now let's get to pop culture and let's say a little bit about religion you know, when I asked Sister Michael Anthony, of course, I'm very young, should have never been in the Catholic boarding school. But I asked them, are they married? Like, you know, my dad was getting, you know, right, the whole thing. And their answer was interesting to me. And I, I, I believed it. And I actually still believe it to this day. And the answer was, I'm married to God. That was the answer back then when I was a child. I don't know what the answers now are in the practice of Catholicism, um, but you understand that at six years old, nobody told me that they couldn't be married to God. Hence, here we go, right? And that, that may seem like a benign example, but it's a very important example to make in one of the you know, uh, largest groups out there that believe that. And unless they've changed the thing like they did, you know, eat meat on Friday, they changed that. But unless they change this idea, this is embedded. Yeah. And why yeah. is that okay? But other forms that you have in the book, not. There you go. I mean, that's the, <laughs> the age old question, right? I like to say it's that a it big one. I like to say that it is the practice that it's hidden in plain sight, right? Yeah. Which is one of the headings within the, or chapters within yeah. the book. Hidden within plain sight. It is there. We know about it because of the the, the Catholic tradition of um, the, the nuns and the priests marrying Jesus or marrying the church. And mm -hmm. that is, um, you're not the only person to have a, a monastic say that. Um, I was being interviewed um for uh, Jeffrey Mish loves new thinking aloud and the interviewer said I asked the same I was told the same thing when I was in Catholic school as a child I asked the nun are you married and she said I'm married to Jesus yeah. so um, it is very much still a practice um, and an understanding that it is a bonded commitment and, and in their case it tends to be more celibate although if you go back a few hundred years and look at the Beguines it was decidedly not a celibate practice um, meaning there was erotic encounters that were happening between the monastics and um, and Jesus and so you know what I like to say is you know within the purview of Christianity Christianity has said, well, if you have contact with our group of spirits, you're okay. You know, you can talk to God, you can talk to Jesus, you can talk to the Holy Spirit, you can talk to even maybe some saints and angels, but yeah. anybody outside of this little, you know, um, in group is, is dangerous or evil or bad or, you know, all these other things. And so when we step into this conversation, putting our sort of decolonialist 
and um, and indigenous spirituality hats on, right? When we look through that lens, we realize pretty quickly that um, it is just another example of insider-outsider group thinking and that there are, you know, and, and that's what I really, why I didn't focus on the Christian church. I mentioned mm-hmm. it, but I really focused on these suppressed and marginalized spiritualities to show how it is alive and well transculturally mm-hmm. on the planet in um, in many, many different traditions and, and pretty much in every, uh, in every single continent and every single yeah. culture. Yeah. And, you know, I brought it up because it was my real childhood experience. And, uh, and that is a belief I hold to this day. I may not be practicing like I did as a child, but nobody came in to erase that belief for me. Uh, and uh, I remember uh, my, the uh, priest had a ring, right? He wore a ring. And so, of course, as a little child, he's got the ring. You want to know, like, what, who you're married to. But let's talk about what I read from, from the forward about us being ready now. Before Constantine, before putting words down that may or may not have existed, before BC, let's just say BC, there were many, 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 many practices, spiritual practices, um, accepting practices of both male and female spirits, energies, gods, goddesses, whatever you want to call them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Our ancestors were pantheists. You know, they really um, understood that um, the world, they understood, as I was talking about this animist view of the the world being populated with many different spirits and many different intelligences. Um, And the the theurgic practices right the practices of of having a, a committed relationship with a deity um are are there mm-hmm. in the hellenic accounts they're in the egyptian accounts they're in you know and, and and it varies culture to culture because some cultures have a cosmology where there are sort of deities um the norse accounts the the indic accounts i mean i could go on and on um and then there are cultures where the deities are maybe more part of an elemental or a natural manifestation of their relationship to earth like the Dagara people in West Africa Burkina Faso West Africa so um, we may call them gods I I use the term spirit because it's just sort of the broadest umbrella term that gets at this idea that these are non-physical human incarnations we're talking about um, extraordinary or otherworldly intelligences that are yet nested within our world, right? And yeah. nested within our, um, you know, as a psychologist, I look at it as um, how are these, how are we embedded within these consciousnesses? Um, and, you know, some people will argue or say, well, your folks are just making these beings up, right? They're imaginal or imaginary figures or they're archetypal figures or they're inner aspects. And then some folks will come down and say, no, these are absolutely externalized beings and deities that we're working with or entities that we're working with. And I have more of a, it doesn't really matter. Exactly. 
you're nested within consciousnesses, within consciousnesses, within consciousnesses. And when we step out of thinking that we are the center, the focus, the most important consciousness on this planet, all of a sudden things get much more open and much more interesting um, in the kinds of conversations that we can have. And, you know, this is really what really leads to this next point that I want to talk to you about is because there are many layers of this, like you said, everything from looking at the difference between Haitian voodoo and New Orleans voodoo, everything about, you know, gender, gender differences, if they even exist. But here's the thing that I love about this. You have so much detail and so much history in the books. Fascinating. That's why it's not a first read book. You know, you have to go back to it. Um, but there is a part of this book I want to talk to you about when we come back. That's about embodying, we call it embodying the divine self within and without. And, and what I love about the way you present that is, in my interpretation of it, is, and I've been talking about this for years. I was talking about this since Avatar came out. <laughs> and and I said, I think I remember saying something like, "What just happened there? Mm -hmm. Did did everybody did everybody tap into what just happened there? Mm -hmm. Right? What did just happen there? Mm -hmm. If that what forget about a spiritual ceremony intervention, whatever you want to call it. But see, that was in our consciousness in order to create that." And people did not question that movie. Now, they may question the second one, right, when the child shows up. But there was so much spirituality in there and so much spirituality of marriage in there between what seemed to be an earthly and a non-earthly, right? This is now permeating our culture. It shows up in artwork. It shows up in movies. It's showing up in the television shows. It just keeps showing up. So it's the chicken and the egg. Yeah. Did spirit yeah. give us this vehicle so we can become more aware and accepting of it? Or did the vehicle become the initiator so that we can accept that which is already here. Let's take a short break. That, that, I can't wait to hear what you got to say about that. When we come back, Dr. Megan Rose, uh, drmeganrose.com, uh, fabulous book, Intimate Relationships with Otherworldly Beings. Think about this. You've lost somebody that's passed, but they're on your mind. They're in your home. They're everywhere embodied in the energy of your space. They speak with you at night. What do you make of that? Well, Dr. Rose has got that to explain as well because it's all covered here. Let's take a short break, Benny. William will be right back. Does your life often feel like an emotional tsunami where rogue waves crash down on you, leaving you feeling hopeless and wondering if it will ever end? Do you wish to awaken the dormant strength inside of you? Imagine what it would be like to turn your pain into purpose. Start today by scheduling a complimentary consultation with Martinet. Dive into your healing journey and begin to see your life in a new light. Visit martineemmons.com and make your appointment today. Are both your life and mission passing you by? Are you wanting to step into the bigger reason why you're here? 
I'm Claudia Sam, your Soul Connection coach and host of the Be Happy Now show. It's possible to feel good to be you and to never burn out again. Hop on a free 20-minute clarity call with me to explore what life could be like if you could just say yes to yourself without the guilt. Go to ClaudiaSamSoulCoaching.com forward slash yes. Parenting isn't about perfection. I think we all know that. Parenting is about being present and honest, having compassion for your child and for yourself, communicating consciously and loving unconditionally. Tune in to The Awakened Parent Project with Susan Dolce every first and third Tuesday at noon Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to be an empowered parent through the techniques of the conscious parenting community. To learn more about Susan, visit SusanDolce.com. It takes courage to step into your calling and go for your dreams. Sabotage monsters can get in your way, preventing you from reaching your potential. You can choose to struggle alone, or you can choose community and support, someone to walk beside you, meeting you where you are. If you are ready to make real and lasting change, Coach Christine Clark is here for you. Find out more about one-on-one coaching and group programs with Coach Christine at sunglowtransformation.com. Are you wondering who you are meant to be in this ever-changing world right now? Kelly Kay is a certified New Paradigm multidimensional transformation energy healer ready to assist you in this transformative process of expanding your consciousness. She helps you transmute your wounds and traumas into healing, growth, and wisdom, resulting in self-empowerment and freedom from fear. Visit enlightenmedicine.com to learn more. You're listening to an encore presentation from the Transformation Talk Radio Network. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's so great to have you tune us in and turn us on. You know, there's so much we want to talk about today, but we, we really want to, you know, get to the place here that really addresses the issue of, you know, how you are in the world, but even more importantly, you know, to have a framework for what your experience is. And what I mean by that is, you know, the framework that may not put you into two sessions of therapy a week, but there might be an understanding that has been very acceptable for thousands of years. But here we are today, and thanks to Dr. Megan Rose, right? She's written a fabulous book, Spirit Marriage, Intimate Relationships with Otherworldly Beings. We see this play out in our pop culture. As a matter of fact, It played out before it was even our pop culture. There were so many records that have been indicated, whether they're glyphs, whether they're other things that have indicated that there's something in us as humans that enables us to go to the level of consciousness where we believe so strongly in that level of evolution. We don't say it. We don't write a book like Dr. Rose wrote, but we feel it, we believe it, we can't wait to experience in so many ways, and here we are. Great to have you here. Uh, Thank you again. And they can go to your website, drmeganrose.com, right? Mm -hmm. Learn about me and spiritmarriage.com is uh, more about the book. Um, I was asking the chicken and the egg question, and really, it's, it's really one of these things Einstein talked about it a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and he crossed the bridge of science and spirituality when he started to talk about imagination 
And he started to talk about imagination as very, very powerful. You know, yes, information is powerful, but he started to talk about imagination. And, you know, he never really got to take it to quite that next level. Neither did Jung. But here we are today where we have the technology to represent imagery and vision and visions and consciousness and imagination to the point where it's really hard to tell people that that particular spirit that just showed up on the big screen doesn't really exist. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, you know, if I put my esotericist hat on for a moment, there is this idea of the imaginal realm or the realm um, sometimes called the astral realm or the Akashic realms, and they're sort of precursory to physical reality, and they're where we practice or work things out or structure things or plan things, and um, and it's pretty much accepted that uh, in, in at least a more of an indigenous um, or eco-spiritual worldview, that that is, uh, the, is real, right, as our physical world. It's just not, um, it doesn't have the shape, same shaping and forming. What sometimes, um, if, you know, we want to look at it through a, a scientific, scientific lens, it's the fifth dimension or the sixth dimension and beyond, right? It's not bound by space or time like we are. Um, and there is all sorts of interesting things that manifest in, in those realms. And one of the things that happens in those realms is um, contact with the imaginal or with the, ins the inspiring, the intelligences that inspire us. Um, Plato and Socrates, right, talked about the daimon, the, the, the guiding or the tutelary spirit that inspired someone to write a play or a poem or sing a song or form a culture, right? And these, these spirits um, and our relationship with them can become very, um, very bonded. Um, Socrates was so bonded to his daimonic intelligence that, you know, he wouldn't make major life decisions without its input, right? Uh, without its guidance. And so, um, and, and it, it gave rise to the idea of a genius, right? Um, and Orion talks about this in his foreword as well, that the genius is um, what arises from that love space or from that intimacy right between the human and these extraordinary intelligences um, and spirit marriage is simply um, stepping into a, a devotional relationship a committed relationship you know there's lots of different instances of um, channeling and mediumship and communication with um, otherworldly beings through prayer or ritual or um, uh, other, uh, you know, altered states of consciousness, whether in trance or in, in the dream state. Um, and the, the, the marriage, and again, marriage is the term that I use because it's the most common understanding we have of what this kind of union, what this kind of commitment is. Um, but it's not necessarily... Um, although many cultures practice uh, a spirit marriage ritual, which is, you know, similar to what you were talking about with the nuns, they, they mm -hmm. wear rings and there's vows and there's a whole ceremony around it. Um, it is not necessarily like a marriage in that, 
you're dealing with um, petty mundane jealousies or competition or whatever. It's much more uh, uh, this idea of a, a deeply devoted commitment to that relationality and the co-creative project, right? We talk about all these um, works of fiction and art and, and inspiration that arise. And um, typically they arise because that there is an is a, a individual who's inspired by some sort of numinous or extraordinary intelligence that moves through them. And, you know, lest you think that it's just in the realms of, you know, art or esotericism, Carl Jung had a very, very powerful daimonic intelligence, Philemon, that, um, that he attributed all of his major theories to. He said, all of my major theories came from these conversations with Philemon. Um, and Rudolf Steiner, right, uh, the anthroposophist, said that all of his teachings came from his relationship with these extraordinary beings that he, and, you know, and, and interestingly enough, in both of those cases, the families and the followers sort of suppressed those teachings. Yeah, exactly. Well, Jung admitted that. And I've talked to, I've, I've talked about this a lot. There's this buried letter between um bill wilson and carl jung and wilson waited 30 years to get back to jung to thank him for literally creating the foundation of all 12-step programs by the fact that he really pointed to that the only thing that could help the alcoholic was the spiritual experience that letter got built it got buried and you know it it showed up in certain historical archives of the 12-step programs but now the internet right and then the letter comes up and you can read in the letter where Jung is admitting he could have done more. He really talked about the spiritual experience and he could have done more, but he didn't talk to about it as something that is out of the realm of the everyday person. He talked about it as, you know, this process that every single one of them must have yeah. at some level. Um, and I find it fascinating that we're so quick to put boundaries and restrictions on things, right? Yeah. Uh, even what, what we think about, you know, even the idea that something exists that we cannot see, but is guiding us, right? Well, and, you know, we here in the West are suffering a sort of under <laughs> the past, you know, few hundred years of rationalist scientific thinking, right? This sort of scientific materialism that says if you can't break something down to measurable bits and bytes, it doesn't exist. And um, that is a very Western worldview. You step outside of, you know, really the United States and, and, and some of the, you know, more, more Western um, oriented cultures and every other culture on this planet has um, much deeper, much more um, uh, animistic tendencies. Um, and so it is very, uh, it, it, is, it is very sort of colonial of us, to, uh, colonialist of us to say, well, we know what, we know, we know, yeah, we, we know. We've decided, we know this is what's right. Everybody else is right. You hear again and again, primitive cultures and third world and all of these things that we've decided, right? That our worldview <laughs> based on our agenda really um, is right. And so 
to really begin to deconstruct and understand that actually some of our major thinkers had these kinds of extraordinary relationships, I think is really exciting because it, it sort of helps us sort of, you know, open up a little bit and kind of get curious and think, where have I been limiting myself? You know, Jung's active imagination is just another um, way in which we do journey work, right? When we do guided visualization work and, and, you know, we love our science here and science is wonderful for certain things, but proving the soul or the heart or love or these intangible things um, like devotion and commitment and all of these things, they can't be broken down into, um, into quantifiable units. Yeah. I want to just talk to you. I wish you would address this because I think I read it somewhere in the book. It's really fascinating that it says children and we grow up, especially in today's world where there's so much about superheroes, supernatural. I mean, it is, it is not the exception as it was a while ago, right? You know, a while ago, the first Dracula movie just put people, you know, made them all crazy. Now, if it, uh, seriously, right? I was talking to a, um, a young woman I mentor and the height of the conversation was, because we chit chat and then we do work. She was like, do you think Kate Beckinsale is going to do another Celine vampire movie? And I said, you know, if they give her the right script, they will. She said, but they have to do it because there's a child involved now. So you see how this fictional is very real for this young person, right? The whole thing about it is very real. Well, I mean, I like to say that our pop culture is um, mythology and folklore. That was the pop culture for our ancestors, the mythology, the folklore. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. So what we look now uh, back on as the gods and the goddesses and the these and beings that our ancestors looked at as contemporary contemporary to them um i like to think that you know anthropologists religious studies scholars two three hundred years from now or maybe even a thousand years from now we'll look back on this time and look at superman Mm -hmm. and batman and all of these different um um, extraordinary characters, right, that we fill our lives with and that we spend so much time and energy um, devoting attention and, and, and worship in a way to even our rock stars, we, even our celebrities fall under this category. Um, and that they will say, oh, those were their, those were their deities, right? Um, and there's a way in which, so that sounds, you know, like, oh, well, then that's just goofy. That doesn't make sense. But there's actually if you think about it, there is something that is being teased out through these stories because that the writers of many, you know, let's just take the comics, for example, they're pulling from mythologies, they're pulling from archetypal figures. And so whether a being shows up as, you know, um, a Superman, I mean, they're very they very skillfully crafted Superman as a Jesus figure, even in, you know, the more recent Superman movies with Henry Cavill, where he's in the sky looking like a Jesus hanging on a cross. I mean, uh, that blew my mind when I saw that, because I was like, there you go. He's an extraordinary being that comes from another planet that is raised in a, in the human framework, but is not, you know, but has these divine powers. And so 
you know, I, I do have uh, clients that reach out to me and say, you know, so this, so I, I think I'm being contacted by this deceased rock star. I don't know what to do about it. Um, and, and yet, you know, I know that spirit marriage yeah. is a thing. And I know that, that marriage to within the purview of spirit marriage, you can be married to a beloved dead and a beloved ancestor. And so what I encourage them to do in those cases is to, um, if you if you look at it, if you want to look at it through the lens of a, a, an ancestor, you know, ancestor worship and ancestor veneration is a, a widespread practice on the planet. You can look at it through that lens, but you can also look at it through an archetypal deity lens, meaning like um, I, I know someone that is having encounters with David Bowie and David Bowie's spirit. And I was like, to to just bring in the divine divine self i was like who do you think david bowie's divine self was right who do you think his archetypal spirit and they're like oh it it was it was totally hermes right hermes the hermaphrodite the 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 trickster right the shapeshifter this energy that is you know both masculine and feminine and an andro androgen and they're like I think I'm having a relationship with Hermes via the this Bowie. Bowie figure, and and it can be a both and, or it can be that the that deity archetype is flowing through to you and getting your attention in that kind of a way. And, and you know, I love that you're talking about that because I think no matter who you talk to, I think on the face of the earth, they will tell you that some information entered their consciousness, and they're not quite sure who or how may have come from a song they heard hello you hear a song and then what do you do you wake up and you think oh my gosh i left my car running <laughs> really how did you get but we do i want to get to i know we have a few minutes left uh, you bring us full circle you give us so much to really think about and look at and it, you explain it but you talk about the future and the future of spirit marriage i'm curious from your perspective and where you sit how much progress have we made in acceptance here? Because there, at some level, we're, we're infiltrating the consciousness of generations to come through the way we're projecting books, imagery. I mean, who didn't want to marry Voldemort? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have my, mo I have my moments. Um, <laughs> But do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. You know, I mean, that was a character, right? And really presented a very spiritual character, maybe dark, mm -hmm. but spiritual. But yeah. tell us about the future from where you sit. Where do you see us going? Well, I think that, you know, a, a lot of people ask me, okay, well, I don't have a spirit that is asking to marry me because that is usually sort of the protocol for this the spirit or the the deity will appear or to your to you or to another person uh like a mentor or a spiritual teacher of yours and say i want to marry so and so um and if if that's not happening um that does not mean that these practices aren't applicable to you we all have a divine self right we talk about archetypes we talk about tutelary and familiar spirits and we all have these beings around us whether we're sensitized to them or not and so we all have a divine self that we are here to express qualities of and that co-creative project that we could potentially do with them and so i think that um a lot of these uh stories and the popular culture and the 
reclaiming of myths and the rise of and the rise in the embrace, right, of subaltern or previously marginalized spiritualities, like, you know, shamanism and witchcraft and the more pagan spiritualities are finally being included in, you know, like the Academy of Religious, you know, the AAR um, and, and other conversations is evidence that, you know, we are we're finally stepping into a little more inclusivity and a little more embracing of other ways of knowing and other ways of being. And spirit marriage is um, still on the margins, right? It's still a very transgressive and very um, sort of um, head scratching practice for a lot of people, even within paganism, even within earth-based spirituality, right. unless you're raised like in a tradition like voodoo, where from a very early age, that is, you know, just part of the waters that you swim in. I mean, that's a practice front and center in those traditions, but in, in a lot of, um, pagan circles, it's still like, oh, we don't do that. We don't marry the spirits. And, um, I think that that is sort of a leftover of um, number one, uh, not really knowing um, the the prevalence of the practice, and so it kind of scares people a little bit. And then number two, our own assumptions about eroticism and intimacy and what is actually going on there. And I mean, that's a whole other conversation we could have around um, yeah. erotic spirituality. Yeah. Um, but, you know, suffice it to say, um, not everything that registers as erotic in our body is meant to be sexual. Yeah. And by the way, erotic spirituality, this is not new. You see, the minute we call it that, that like people are like, really? That thing that happened over there, it, that that's really it. But you see, this is really this is really so wonderful about your book is you not only reference you know the knowledge and the wisdom and the accuracy of what has come before, uh, but it's really foundational for allow people to look at themselves and honor what they're experiencing as opposed to being shamed. Yeah, about it. See, I think that's the thing that, I mean, there's nothing worse than guilt and shame of oneself to really just crush this, this, this spiritual energy. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of times what happens is, you know, when we come in contact with extraordinary beings, there's a vitalizing aspect to it. It, it, um, it puts our body into exaltation, right? It lights us up like a Christmas tree. And for people who um, have shame or wounding or trauma around their vital center, which is typically, you know, um, we typically think of sexuality and vitality in our pelvis, right? Like we locate it down there, but it's actually, you know, from the tantric perspective and, and the, just the, the sort of, um, I mean, this shows up in Taoist alchemy, uh, sexual alchemy and, and on and on and on. Um, our entire bodies, right, are, are able to channel this vitalizing or, or express this vitalizing um, force that is, in essence, a kind of quickening or a kind of activation that happens between humans and, and, and divine or otherworldly beings. And it, it, it is part of, I think, and I think my research really points to, it is part of that, uh, as you referenced, that initiation 
um, or that initiatory practice, which transforms us, mm-hmm. right? Which quickens us, which mm-hmm. awakens and activates us. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's part of the technology that will get us, as we were yeah. talking about earlier, through the homo, homo yeah. universalis um, yeah. consciousness. It you know, you know, it brings I, on our extrasensory. That's what I'm trying to say. Because look at, you know, generations. I come from a generation where I was not restricted, you know, by my mom, my stepmom, about my fascination with comic books. I mean, I was at a very young age, I was reading them, I was drawing the characters from them, I understood them. Um, at a very young age, you know, my dad, on the other hand, just thought I was need to go to Dr. Jacoby, but my mom was, this is a form of creativity. See, and we, we empower our children to explore that generally speaking, some religions are like, you will never look at Iron Man. You will not do that. That's not going to happen. And you clearly are not going to Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah. And you're clearly not going to look at any gay superheroes. That's that's just out of the realm of this lifetime for you. But you see, outside of that, we're actually promoting a level of imagination, which will get to the future that you described, I think. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Mm. And I think that, you know, when we allow so and I think this is actually a beautiful thing that's been happening in the late 20th and early 21st century. And that is the um, permission for adults to play and to imagine and to, you know, um, the, the comic books used to be a thing just for kids and, right. and science fiction, Star Wars, it used to be a thing just for children. And now there are, you know, adults in their 50s, 60s and beyond that are huge fans, right? The fan culture of these pop cultural um, tropes or stories that keep that part of us alive and that speak to that part of us that says, you know, maybe I could be a mutant. Maybe there is something that I'm here to evolve into that is more than just, and people really identify with that because there's a kernel of, of um, understanding that we're meant to be something more than just meat suits that punch a clock every day and, you know, and procreate. And, you know, we know that at the very core of our being, we've been in search of it for centuries, right? And we know that at our very core of our being, but what you do in your book so beautifully is you give us a framework to be both of the earth and not of the earth at the same time, simultaneously. Um, And that really is so important because that really is our experience. You know, you can't tell a mom who's driving down the road and sees a car coming head on with her child in the background that for that moment, she doesn't experience both. You know, the ultimate request for protection of that which she cannot see, right? And yet all of the fear that goes through our bodies in an incident like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the beauty of us, isn't it? Mm-hmm. People oh. become very spiritual in moments of crisis, right? Yeah. That that's that's a good reason for like uh why I kept the kicked up my spiritual program. Dr. Rose, thank you so much. Again, give out your website. Thank you so much for today. Yeah, drmeganrose.com. <laughs>